0: Welcome to One Thin Dime, a comic book podcast focusing on the golden and early silver ages of comics. I'm your host, Sammy, a.k.a. The Comic Book Kid. The purpose of this podcast is to highlight characters and origins who may not be as well known outside of comic fandom, but are significant to the history of the medium. Each episode, I choose a comic with the caveat that the original cover price was 10 cents. Please remember, any characters I discuss on this podcast are the sole copyright of the respective owners. So, with no further ado, let's check out what's on the shelves of the old Five and Dime this week for my Imperious 6th episode. Comic book creators have gained much inspiration from the legends of the past. Characters such as Thor and Hercules, Robin Hood and King Arthur have populated comics in numerous iterations. One such mythical concept that has inspired imagination is the undersea city of Atlantis. One of the earliest references to Atlantis was in Plato's dialogues Timaeus and Critias. During the golden age of comics, two princes from this mythic city were brought to the four-color pages. Probably the most well-known of the two is Aquaman thanks to probably Jason Momoa. But Aquaman wasn't the only Atlantean prince to make a splash, pun intended, in the Golden Age. Namor the Submariner debuted in Motion Picture Funnies, number one, produced by Lloyd Jackett's First Funnies, Inc. Hold on, you say. Namor's first appearance was in Marvel Comics, number one, October 1939. Thanks, comic book guys. I give you partial credit. Motion Picture Funnies would be designed as a promotional giveaway in theaters, but proved to be unsuccessful. According to Key Collector Comics, only nine copies of Motion Picture Funnies are known to exist. That original eight-page story was repackaged by First Funnies with four additional pages, and sold to Timely Comics for their first publication, Marvel Comics Number no. 1. Namor is the son of the Atlantean princess Finn and an American sea captain, Leonard Mackenzie. Finn had been sent to spy on the surface dwellers, but fell in love with the captain. When guards are dispatched to retrieve Finn, Leonard is killed, and Finn, along with her unborn child, are brought back to Atlantis. Historically, Namor is both the first Marvel anti-hero and mutant. Take that, Wolverine! He is constantly at odds with the surface, blaming them for the problems facing his kingdom. That's 71% of the planet if you're tallying. For the purposes of this podcast, I'll be using the 12-pager from Marvel Comics number 1 for today's discussion in The First Appearance Flashback. My source for this issue is Marvel Comics number 1, Halloween Comic Fest 2014 copyright marvel comics our story opens with the salvage ship the ss recovery finding that the sunken derelict they were searching had already been cleared of any valuables the only clue was a knife left on the deck when the divers are sent back down to gather more clues they're amazed to see a swimmer without any gear or breathing apparatus an impossibility at these depths The swimmer thinks that the two divers are robots, and their oxygen lines control wires. After cutting the lines, the now-identified submariner attacks and sinks the salvage ship. Returning to a secluded grotto, Namor is praised by his king and his mother, Finn. Namor discovers that the divers are actually men and asks his mother about the Earth people. Makes the Atlanteans seem a bit like extraterrestrials, huh? Finn shares the tale of her spy mission and his father, along with the almost extinction of their race at the hands of the surface world. After the flashback, Namor is dispatched to make an attack on the surface in retaliation for the salvagers invading their land. Joined by his cousin Dorma, the duo destroy the Cape Anna Lighthouse as a means to endanger a great number of ships. After some ensuing destruction, Namor and Dorma are surrounded But Namor leaps into the air, grabbing onto a passing plane. Once out of harm, Namor instructs Dorma to crash the plane and swim home while he dives into the ocean to continue his crusade against the surface. And this is how reading audiences were introduced to Namor. But who originated this tale of the Submariner? Let's step over to the Creator Corner. Namor was created by writer-artist William Blake Everett, or just simply Bill. Bill Everett started his career as an advertising artist for newspapers. His first comic gig was for Centaur Publications, creating Sky Rocket Steel Dodge in Amazing Mystery Funnies Number 1, August 1938. Now, that's a title that hits about every genre, Amazing Mystery Funnies. Awesome. Bill would also create Amazing Man for Centaur, debuting in Amazing Man Comics number 5, September 1939. That's right, Issue 5. Maybe a retitled series without a change in numbering? Not an unheard of practice in comics. When Jacket left Centaur to form his own comic packaging company, Bill was asked to be a part of the team. It was here that Everett created Namor, eventually selling the property to Martin Goodman's Timely Comics. Bill would continue to draw Subby's adventures in Submariner Comics issues 1 through 32, from the fall 1941 to June 1949, as well as the revived series during Marvel's Atlas years, with issues 33 to 42, April 1954 to October 1955. Everett would also pencil issues of Venus and Marvel Boy for the company. It was during this time that Bill worked with editor Stan Lee on Issue 5 of the comic titled Menace, July 1953. Menace was a horror genre title for Atlas, and Issue 5 saw the debut of character Simon Garth, the zombie. Everett and Lee would also co-create a certain Man Without Fear, introducing comics readers to the blind lawyer from Hell's Kitchen, Daredevil, in Daredevil number 1. April 1964, Everett would return to Namor, as well as the Hulk, with issues of Tales to Astonish and the Bronze Age Submariner series. Bill also worked on some Doctor Strange stories in Strange Tales. While at Marvel, Bill Everett is credited with the creation of characters such as Franklin, Foggy Nelson, Karen Page, Namorita, Stingray, and Moondragon. Everett was a staple at Marvel through its various incarnations, but does the Avenging Sun hold a place in comic books today? Let's explore some modern mythology. Namor would be officially revived during the Silver Age in Fantastic Four number four, May 1962. Subby would be suffering from amnesia, but regained his memory only to fall in love with Fantastic Four ingenue Sue Storm. Q Days of Our Lives thing. Writers would choose to explore Namor's dual heritage as a means to explain his outbursts of rage. The imbalance between his Atlantean and human DNA would result in a form of bipolar disorder. And man, oh man, has that been the seed of so many stories in Namor's career. It is that fluid pun intended, nature that has Namor working solo often, but he has held membership in the Invaders, the Avengers, and the Defenders, as well as allying himself with the likes of Doctor Doom. Namor's monarchical responsibilities often have him leading the legions of Atlantis against the surface world. Creators in the 80s and 90s continue to develop Namor with miniseries and ongoings, including Prince Namor the Submariner by Damatéus and Badansky in 1984, The Saga of the Submariner in 1988, and John Byrne's Namor the Submariner in 1990. Byrne's series would have Namor approach his quest to help the oceans a bit differently. He would form the corporation Oracle Inc., named after his father's Antarctic icebreaker. The turn of the century brought readers the 12-issue Namor in 2003 by Bill Jemis and Andy Watson, a six-issue series Submariner introducing Kamar, Namor's son, and Namor the First Mutant. Namor would be a member of the clandestine Illuminati in New Avengers Volume 3, January 2013. Returning to his mutant heritage... Namor would find a reoccurring home in the pages of X-Men beginning in 2011, as well as the X-Men Red series starting in January 2018. Most recently, Namor would resume his attack on the surface world, coming into conflict with old war buddies Captain America, the original Human Torch, and Winter Soldier in Invaders No. 1, January 2019, by Chip Zdarsky. With a comicography like this, We have to wonder, where else can we find our Atlantean anti-hero? Hmm, maybe we should look at some mixed media. The small screen is where Namor first appears in animated form. The 1966 The Marvel Super Heroes cartoon included a series of Namor episodes voiced by John Vernon, better known as Animal House's Dean Wormer. It would be 1981, before Namor would guest as part of NBC's Saturday morning lineup. In the Spider-Man episode, Wrath of the Submariner, Namor would be voiced by Vic Perrin, the control voice from Outer Limits. For the episode, Seven Little Superheroes, one of my favorites, in Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends, Namor, among other Marvel heroes, would battle the Chameleon. Here, he was voiced by William Woodson narrator of over 100 episodes of Super Friends from 1981 to 1983. Namor would also star in episodes of both the 1994 and 2006 Fantastic Four cartoons, as well as 1999's The Avengers United they Stand. Well, it looks like my break's about over. Guess if I have time to lean, I've got time to clean. At least that's what my manager tells me. Namor is one of the longest running characters in Marvel Comics history. He was there at the beginning with Timely's first publication and still keeps flying with little ankle wings. This is one character that is not a fish out of water, pun intended. With talk of the FF joining the MCU for Phase 5, could we see a big screen version of Subby? Only time will tell. I hope you enjoyed my discussion of Namor the Submariner. If you like the podcast, make sure to leave me a review on your podcatcher of choice, Apple, Google, whatever, or just tell a friend. Join me next time for my slamming seventh episode. And just remember, all of these adventures were once available for one thin dime. Thanks for listening.